Hello and welcome to the ninth episode of For the Love of the Horse, a podcast celebrating the thoroughbred. I'm Julianne Horseman and I'm proud to bring you good news stories and insights from the Equine Welfare Division of Racing New South Wales, which is better known as Team Thoroughbred. Adam Buchert is a talented equestrian all-rounder who show-jumped with the best of his generation and worked as a racing foreman before transferring his skills to polo. Now a two-goal player, he's built a business around retraining off-the-track thoroughbreds for polo. He can lay claim to uncovering one of the world's best polo mares, Tia Loka, and is constantly on the lookout for his next diamond in the rough. Here's our interview with Adam. Adam, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Tell us a little bit about what you do with Adam Buchert Polo. Thanks, Julianne. It's great to be here. I'm not a professional polo player by any means. I still get paid to play polo, but it's still more of a hobby now. To do that, I've always thought that the Aussie Thoroughbreds gave us a better polo pony, and I also think that the, the international polo market, there's a high demand for the Thoroughbred horse in general in polo. So Internationally? Internationally, yeah. Oh. So the Aussie Thoroughbreds and the New Zealand Thoroughbreds are sought after uh, throughout the world. So the ultimate goal for me originally was to buy horses off the track fairly cheaply so then I could hopefully sell them overseas into the UK and Argentina and America. So that was basically how it started. I just would buy them off the track and generate young horses every year to keep myself mounted to play polo. What makes the Australian thoroughbreds so attractive to international buyers? The speed and their soundness. I know a lot of people go, oh, the thoroughbreds aren't that sound, but there are a lot of structurally sound thoroughbreds out there. So, But it's the speed. They need that speed. If built with the right shape, they can spin and turn as good as any stock horse, as any Argentine polo pony. How do you select the horses you retrain? It is biomechanics for me and, and obviously brain. They've got to have a good brain, but it's the shape. When I'm looking at a, at a polo filly to purchase, I will always look for a certain shape. The same as the racehorse trainer looks for a certain shape. Thank goodness we're not looking for the same thing all the time. Uh, I'm looking for the small ones and the trainers want the bigger ones. But uh, yeah, short backs, good length of hip. They need to stand a certain way underneath themselves. They need to come out of their shoulder the right way. A good deep chest. We're always looking for plenty of lung capacity. Where do you source the horses from? Anywhere. (laughs) <laughs> I've got friends who help me look for horses in South Australia. I've purchased some out of WA. I purchased them from Victoria, New South Wales, Queensland. I've got a lot out of Queensland. So every state of Australia, wherever there's racing, I'll, I'll, I'll buy them because with modern technology, if I can see the shapes right, the person that owns the horse on the end of the phone knows what they're talking about and can tell me the right information. We'll put them on a float and send them over from Perth if we have to. Why do most polo players prefer mares? Is that correct or is that a bit of a myth? No, they do. I would say that the majority of the polo Polo ponies that we see out there are mares. Uh, it's definitely a preference for me. I can't really speak for all polo players, but I find that the mares are just tougher. They also have that residual value. The game of polo can be quite tough, but if they're a good mare and they injure themselves, you can then at least breed from them or flush embryos from them. It's more the toughness. A good mare will not give in. Even when they probably don't have a lot left in the tank, they will still keep trying. Are there any specific bloodlines you like, or is it more about the traits of the individual horse? There's a couple of bloodlines I like to follow, but I'm not going to tell all the other competitors out there what they are. No, you no. can tell me off the record. <laughs> no, look, the Elliston franchise, they've just cloned or produced a clone of Norman Pentaquad, who is by Riverman. And that Riverman bloodline is amazing. Um, it's a, a, I think it, the Riverman line originated in France. So anything that goes back to Riverman, I'll always keep an eye on. 
Uh, there's a little bit of southern halo in Argentina. They like the, there's a couple of good stallions in Argentina that are, uh, have a bit of southern halo in them. So we'll always keep an eye out for a uh, more than ready or a better than ready or something like that. A lot of the old breeders or polo fans used to say you should look for those smaller staying bloodlines, but there's not many of them. The stayers are generally a little bit bigger. The Riverman lines and the and the, the southern halo lines are ones that we always keep an eye out for. Once you get a new thoroughbred to retrain, what's the first thing you do with them? So they'll turn up off the truck and we just start asking questions to see what they will accept and what they won't accept. We get them into the round yard to see if they're not going to bark because you don't know sometimes how long they've been out for a spell. They could be hard fed and in a box for a week before we get them and they could be quite fresh. So you just sort of put them in the round yard, see what they're going to do, girth them up, saddle them up and see what they're about. And then we just start asking questions. Like I said, will they move off the leg? Generally they don't. Will they accept the bridle? Most of the time they do. How are they in the mouth? Are they strong? Are they supple? And then we just start acclimatising them to all the other stuff that goes on with polo and desensitising them to all the racing stuff. What key markers are you looking for to know the retraining process is on track and you've got a good potential polo pony? You know... The thing I always look for is a little bit of improvement every day or a horse that's trying and willing to work with you. So the horses, you get quite a lot that one day they're good, so you give them the benefit of the doubt, you think they're going great, and then the next day they're terrible. They say, no, nah, they just don't want to leave the yard or they, they just turn it on. We find that a mare with a really good attitude, she's kind, she wants to help, she wants to do the job. It's the attitude I'm looking for first, and then we'll see if the athletic ability comes because you don't really know until you open them up how good they're going to be, and that isn't going to happen in the first three months. It's going to be two years away before you know that. So you can work with a good mind and then build the skills later yeah as long as we've got the right structure the horse is biomechanically sound and she's got the the body that we're after that'll come it's the brain and that's the attitude that we're looking for early on and how do you know when a horse is ready for their first polo match it's a probably a bit of a cliche but they'll tell you we do have a set program so i try to buy my ones off the track around the ages of three and four we just give them a little bit that year get the racing out of them get them out and spell them in the paddock they've got plenty of grass then we bring them back in and give them a month and then we put them back out as a three-year-old rising four then once they turn four in august they might come back in and do another practice chuckers for a month so they'll probably do 12 months of practice and and mucking around with other horses before they go to a low level game and then that's if they're going right some horses will take a little bit longer some a little bit less but again it's just you ask the questions if they say yeah they're willing to do it then we go to the next level if they say no we're not doing that you go back and do they generally get better as they go or if you get a talented one they're good straight away there's two kinds. There's the ones that just tell you straight away, they're going to do this. You know that this thing is going to be an amazing horse. And then there's others that they surprise you as they go along. You might say, there's just something, I, I just think I'm going to keep this one a bit longer. And then the penny drops as a six-year-old and then they just go and they play. Tell me about the best thoroughbred you've ever retrained for polo. She has to be Tia Loco. Her name was Big Ford. She was by Adventurous out of a Sir Ivor mare. She came from Paul Cave and Martha Brister over at Warwick Farm. I think, I can't remember how many years ago, I think she, she ended up going to Argentina in 2009. But 
she was one of those ones that she was naturally gifted, but we never knew if she would play uh, because she was quite a rat bag. She, she, wasn't, she didn't have a really calm, settled brain. She was a little bit edgy. She was a little bit hot. Uh, the Argentines, when they eventually bought her, called her Tia Loca, which is she's crazy, I think. <laughs> and she was a bit feisty. But yeah, so she, she started with me as a, a four-year-old. And then I got her through to when she was probably five and a half she was six she was playing here in australia and then she went to a guy called earl herbert who took her to seven and then she was sold to england she lasted in england probably three months and then they exported her straight to argentina wow and then she played the argentine open that year and she played then the argentine open finals nearly every year from 2009 to 2016 so seven years she played in the argentine open finals that's incredible Mm. now they've cloned her haven't they yeah yeah Uh, so there's eight clones uh they're now six-year-olds they tell me that they're phenomenal and they, they think they're fantastic and what about the best thoroughbred you've seen play that wasn't yours Ooh, that's a good one there's been so many mares that i really rate there's a horse called wembley that played in the argentine open he was an amazing horse uh, there was another one that came from victoria called v12 which uh cambioso played that was a very very good horse Pims, I think, would probably have to be the best, probably one of the best mares I've ever seen. She was bred out at Camden. She was a grey mare that Rookie Bailey played, and she would have to be one of the best off-the-track mares I've ever seen go. She was she was a freak. And tell me a bit about your string. Do you have many thoroughbreds in your current polo string? Of the 12 to 15 horses that I've currently owned, I've got one that's not oh, wow. <laughs> off the track. So, so you're definitely team thoroughbred. Off, I'm team thoroughbred. So my best mare at the moment is by Zoffer. We call her Sydney because I thought if she goes overseas, it'd be good to have a horse called Sydney over in Argentina. I think her racing name was Miss Sammy. She came from Wyong. She's beautiful. Then I've got a another good one that's from Queensland that she's called Could Be Good by Exceedingly Good. They're probably the better ones. Of the young ones coming through, there's a very nice Easy Rocking called Carrick. That's her racing name was Carrick. She's beautiful. And I think she'll go to the next level for sure. And Provida who's by El Rocker, is another really good five-year-old that I, that I love. I've got a, a very nice exosphere at the moment too. So she's free, rising four, uh, and she's up in Queensland now because it's too wet for the young horses down here at the moment. And they all had no success on the racetrack? No. I think the exosphere was trained by Laurie Parker at uh, Warwick Farm. Farm. I don't even think she had a start. Because of the size of the horse we're after, you know, we, we're looking for 15-1. And if they're 15-1 and they're not showing much... It's harder for them to be It's hard for the owners to keep investing in those horses. So, And my model is to try and get them to have had as less starts as possible. Do you ever go to the races and while watching the horses in action think, oh, I'd like that one for my polo string? All the time. <laughs> I'm constantly looking. I've got a, a shares in a horse with Jason Attard that you know when i'm at the races with him i'll keep an eye out for all the others and i'm always looking for the small fillies and you know i go if that one doesn't do any good i hope she comes last (laughs) and if she doesn't can you please call me here's my number you know so yeah i'm always on the lookout for a really nice filly that's uh, under 15 2 and built right how did you get into playing polo when i moved to richmond the polo fields were here my wife was helping a polo player at the time he had a problem horse i actually came from a show jumping background i rode with vicky roycroft chrissy and heath harris for many years and vicky had a lot of success with the thoroughbreds off the track so i was back then buying horses off the track for show jumping and when i came to polo and realized how many horses you needed i couldn't afford 
to spend 25000 on a made polo pony, so I had to go and buy them for $500 or $1,000 off the track and teach them to play the game, and that sort of got me into it. And then it, it almost became, for me, more of a passion retraining the horse than playing the game. You know, you can lose the game and come off the field, and the horses have done amazing, and you, you're actually happier. And be proud of their <laughs> achievements. I'm, I'm more proud of the, how the horses play on the, on the day than whether we got the trophy or not sometimes. Do you think that's your favourite part of the sport? Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's like gold panning for me. It's like you're sifting through, looking for the diamond, you know. You're looking for that that big chunk of gold. And there's some that make you jump out of bed, you know, because she turned up two days ago and she's done everything right in that short period of time. So, And then you're like, I just want to go out and see how she goes today, you know. That, I think I get a lot more of a buzz out of that than winning a silver plate or a trophy. What piece of advice can you give to someone who's getting into polo that maybe isn't sure about how to source their horses or to approach trainers? I think the big thing now is to, if someone's looking to secure horses off the track, you've got to do your research because I've been doing it for so many years. I've, I've been able to hone my skills on what questions to ask. But most of my questions actually aren't designed to, to learn about the horse as much as I want to learn about the person who's talking to me because if that person on the other end of the phone doesn't know what they're talking about, I'm going in blind. So find out as much as you can about the horse and create a model or a template of the kind of horse you want to play on and then just be really quite tough and strict on those rules and say, okay, it is 15-3, it's too big, but it's a nice horse. No, no, you've got to stay under 15-2. That's the big thing. Why do the polo ponies have to be so small? It's because you're hitting a ball on the ground and you don't... You don't have to yeah, reach. Yeah, it's, it's a long way down. If you're up too high, your skills to keep that ball under control at the faster level is going to be... It's a lot harder on the taller horse. Plus, I think the bigger horses, they're not probably as agile. I'd like to think that the smaller ones can be just as quick as the bigger one so it's not a speed thing it's more it's more being able to control the ball better you're the vice president of windsor polo club are there any tournaments coming up that we should be going to oh don't get me started it's been a very wet autumn here in the hawkesbury as you know we've had three floods in the last couple of years and the windsor polo fields are down on the floodplain so it's very very wet as i said a little bit earlier I, i've had to send my young horses to bow scarrett in queensland because it's too wet here to even make horses at the moment hoof abscesses and greasy heel and the like it's it's really really wet and the fields obviously get very damaged in this in this situation especially as we're coming into autumn because it's, the days are getting shorter and colder so they're not getting that opportunity to dry out unfortunately Julianne, no, there's no um, tournaments coming up here in the Hawkesbury. We thought we might get one in May, but that's not going to happen. I think we need to get all the listeners out there to focus now on spring. Yeah. <laughs> in, a, in a normal year, what's a good tournament for a person just getting interested in polo to go and watch? In a normal year, you would have polo tournaments in the Hawkesbury every weekend in autumn and every weekend in spring. Oh, wow. From 1st of March through till May, there's tournaments basically every weekend. The next tournaments start late August, early September through till November. So there's marquee events scattered throughout that. Easter's always a good time. There's the Easter test matches generally here in the Hawkesbury. It's Australia versus sometimes England, sometimes New Zealand, sometimes uh, other countries. And uh, that's always a good one for the spectators if they want to get out to the, to the polo. I can't let you go without talking about these stunning photos on the wall. Tell me, which horses are they? Where are they taken? Okay, so uh, that's a mare called Forfeit. She's by Postponed, a New Zealand thoroughbred. And uh, I bought her out of the English sales probably... Well, she's got a three, so that would have been 
2000 and could be 2003 model that one but that's playing here in the Hawkesbury that's uh, Tia Loca or um, we used to call her Venture that's her playing with Lucas Monteverdi in the Argentine Open final against Elastina funnily enough that the chestnut mare in the photo with her is a horse called uh, Lizzie who's a, an Australian polo pony as well but she's not off the track and this one is Hayden's Angel Jewel that's actually a stock horse thoroughbred cross her father was a very good thoroughbred two-year-old called Drawn, the Inghams used to race. Uh, and that's her getting the champion pony prize at the Coronation Cup in England, which is England versus Argentina. And that's Adolfo Cambioso, who at the time is probably the best $10 in the world. Arguably still could be the best $10 in the world. So, yeah, these are when you, you're stuck in the office working, it makes you realise that you can get out of the office and enjoy a bit of the polo every now and then. Yeah, some incredible memories there. Is there mm. anything else you'd like to tell us? I think Racing New South Wales is doing a, a good job. There's the million-dollar bonus, the show bonus I saw the other day. But it's getting the thoroughbreds off the track, getting that awareness out there to the trainers. And I think that the, now the signing off of where they go to has been really important. And there's also a register now of people who shouldn't be allowed who to buy off allowed. the track. And I just think that's fantastic because there is shysters out there that aren't in it for the right reasons well that's it if you do the wrong thing you need to be held accountable yeah all right well thanks very much for your time and all the best for your next polo tournament no worries i hope to see you out there on the stomping the divots oh absolutely see ya (laughs) thank you so much for listening to our podcast we hope you enjoyed it and we'll tune in for the next one in the series For now, please show your support and stay up to date with the latest Team Thoroughbred news by following us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter.